Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to another episode of uh, Basketball. I'm Sean Woodley. I'm Katie Heindel. And today's show is brought to you by Rashid Wallace, who on this day in 2010 took part in a Boston Celtics win over the Sacramento Kings 95-92 off the bench. Rashid Wallace with a tidy 17 points on 5 of 9, shooting 5 boards, 3 blocks and a steal. Uh, Just doing the Lord's work off the bench for a team that was truly heinous and not up to his standards of quality. You know, they were a good team and all, but they were the Celtics of course. So, you know, that's where I'm getting at there. Uh, They beat this Kings team. Katie, I got to read this roster for this Kings team uh, for you because it is uh, wild. Uh, Okay. Starters (laughs) for the Kings. You've got uh, Joe Rogan acolyte, Spencer Hawes. You've got Omri Caspi. You've got a guy named, I think, Dante Green, who I don't remember. You got Kevin Martin and you have the freshly reinstated Tyreek Evans in the starting five for the Kings. Off the bench, Jason Thompson, Ime Udoka, who is now coaching the Celtics, uh, Beno Udra, a uh, longtime king of bench reserve units, Sean May, Andres Nocioni, Francisco Garcia, and a guy named John Brockman, who I have never heard of in my entire life. Uh, seems fake to me. It does not seem like an actual... Played 150 NBA games? What the fuck? Congrats to you, John Brockman. Good job. Anyway, Katie, uh, that that was the Sheed moment for uh, today. Do you have any thoughts on this 2010's Kings team or the the Celtics team that Sheed was on? We've talked about this Celtics team before. Pretty heinous. It sucks that Sheed was on them. I hate when I pull up an anniversary day where the Celtics are involved with Sheed. But uh, any thoughts on either of any of the many names I just threw out of your face? Um, I did make a comment this week that the Kings are like a performance art project based mm-hmm. on roster alone. And it, it's kind of heartening to me to see that they have long been a powerhouse of the performance art world. 
Yeah, they're just sticking to the bit as long (laughs) as they can. I really, really hope they bring back Tyreek Evans just to kind of complete the circle of uh, despair down in Sacramento. I think I probably want better for Tyreek Evans. It's cool that he's getting reinstated back in the league. Uh, Suspending players for drugs is stupid. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, that's that's your Sheed moment for today. Katie, we've got a busy show to get to today. It's going to be a fun one. We're going to talk about All-Star. We're not going to talk about this weekend's All-Star. All-Star festivities because that's too newsy. We're, in fact, going to take a look back at some of our favorite memories from All-Star Weekend's past. It's a rich tapestry. We're going to go through all the different events and sort of come up with our faves, maybe unheralded moments in the history of our favorite events at All-Star. And we are also going to play a little game built around a reality show, which you and I have both watched, which is truly insane in its concept and uh, should apply very nicely to NBA talk as well. Uh, But before we do any of that, Katie, I guess we should probably be a little newsy and talk about the trade deadline a bit because, boy, oh boy, a whole lot of stuff happened last week, Katie, after we Mm -hmm. recorded our Thursday episode. Uh, We should probably, uh, you know, revisit when we release our episodes around the deadline because it's always on a Thursday, which is always our release day. We record on Wednesdays. We might have to adjust that next year or just lean into the skid and being outdated. Who's to say? Either way, James Harden is no longer on the Brooklyn Nets. He's a Philadelphia 76er. Ben Simmons does no longer have to, you know, do the Philly dance and be there and, you know, sulk and uh, be mad at Doc Rivers and get the <laughs> the subtweets from his teammates. He got one final subtweet from Joel Embiid. That might be it for the rest of time. Who's to say? But either way, he's on the Nets now. So is Seth Curry and a couple of picks and Andre Drummond also go to the Nets as well. Uh, there are other deals that we can maybe dig into, but this was obviously the big one. Did you have any big thoughts or takeaways on this James Harden trade for the Nets and the Sixers? Uh, well, they kind of cancel each other out to me, but Mm -hmm. I guess the, the, my technical, my like one technical kind of like expert opinion (laughs) is that, um, the Nets have improved, but only because they have Seth Curry and the Sixers have gotten worse because they have lost Seth Curry. I think (laughs) that I don't know. I just like, I really don't know how Embiid and Harden are going to play together. If the problem with Simmons and Embiid was that there couldn't be a guy, you have two guys now that want to be the guy. I mean, this seems obvious, but it's, I'm finding it extremely gross. The speculation, even people like speculating and being like, you know, I, I, I support Ben, but like just all the stuff swirling around. Uh, mental health and like trying to yeah. place a pro- <laughs> the problem comes when you are trying to place like expectations or like a timeline uh, or anything like that on someone else's mental health right yeah. and the speculation of like well how can he be uh, ready to play for the Nets immediately like wh- well, what do you think Ben Simmons hasn't been in a cave this whole time <laughs> you know like he's been away from the Sixers but and I would imagine when it was ramping up to the trade deadline, he was probably ramping up his own training. He's not an idiot. He wanted a new contract. He wanted to leave for a long time. He's going to do everything he possibly could to make himself like attractive to a team. Gross in itself. But the fact is, like a lot of that stuff just to me seems to be uh, telling on the people saying it. And it's like, I guess you've never been in a shitty work environment or even like a shitty relationship, just something that is like, um, 
impresses upon your brain <laughs> so much to the point where like you kind of don't even realize it, how noxious it is. And then once you leave it, that feeling just like immediately does lift from your shoulders. Uh, so yeah, I imagine that's probably why Ben Simmons seems like he's ready to go. I saw another, <laughs> like now it's even grosser, but there's layers to it because people are like, I've seen the criticisms of like, wow, so many agents are really going to be looking at this as a loophole for players oh going forward because oh no one God. has questioned Ben Simmons about it, which it's like, I really doubt it. You are also like overestimating um, the importance that any pro sports league, let alone the NBA puts on mental health. Like players are not going to adopt this as like a get out of team free card, you know, and it's very gross to suggest it. Um, and it all goes to show how much farther we have to go when it comes to understanding like what language we should be using to talk about mental health uh, and players and also just be happy for Ben Simmons. I am. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I think you probably expected that kind of garbage response from the garbage people who work in Philadelphia media. I mean, it's like probably the most toxic outside of like New York the most toxic sports media environment there is. And it's sort of amplified by the fact that there's this whole cult built around the process and Ben Simmons being part of it. And, you know, their little special boy didn't work out and he quit on the team or whatever. They perceive he quit on the team and therefore, well, he's he's garbage now. We must, you know, call him out and question his intentions and motives because we're Philadelphia and you don't cross Philadelphia, baby. Um, yeah, to your point, I don't know about you, Katie, but I know that for me... The best things I've ever done for my mental health have been quitting jobs, uh, leaving jobs <laughs> I didn't like that were making me mad or sad or angry or all of the above. And, uh, you know, it, it, the getting that weight off your shoulders. Yeah, I would imagine that Ben Simmons feels pretty good this week compared to what he felt last week when he was playing for a team still not playing, but was employed by a team that uh, clearly was trying to move on from him, whose coach like called him out after the playoffs last year, then tried to walk it back, whose star player has been like subtweeting him all season long yeah i would be pretty thrilled if i got the fuck out of that environment too so yeah i'm happy for ben simmons look i think my initial reaction from the sixers side of things was i was annoyed that daryl Morey like got vindicated for waiting um and like got his guy i kind of think maybe uh there's a conspiracy theory you could put together that when harden was dealt by the rockets to the nets after the uh nets sorry after the sixers and rockets trade conversations for harden fell apart because tillman fertitte is a petty little boy and didn't want to trade with maury i kind of wonder if maybe this was the long game all along harden goes to the nets and then eventually sulks his way out and goes to the sixers that maybe is a little bit too elaborate uh a thing to you know it could be in collusion on if you're daryl maury and james harden but i wouldn't pass it put it past them it's the nba and i think it's my new favorite nba conspiracy theory but either way i i, I think the the response for maury is like oh wow he got his man that he's the best he's a master negotiator in the last few days, I've come around on, oh, I think this is going to end horribly for the Sixers and I can't wait for it to go down that way. Like, when has James Harden ever had trouble dealing with another big personality in the room? Oh, literally always? Yeah, this is going to go great with Embiid. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm sure the fit's nice. They'll be pretty good. Like, their offense will be pretty tough to stop, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I do envision within, like, two years, this completely burning to the ground and the Sixers ending up with no championships for their work. Uh, that's my... 
you could come back and replay this now if they win the title or not. Uh, it will be in the annals of, of basketball history as my uh, call them a shot. But uh, yeah, I, I like this a lot more for the net side than I do for the Sixers. I have to say, Katie, were there any other deals at the deadline that uh, struck you as particularly interesting or perhaps sad and depressing uh, somewhere in between that you want to remark upon here? Huh? No, I think it was just sad. It was always sad to me when, like, for example, like Nikhil Alexander-Walker having to move twice right. and, like, him yeah. not knowing, right? Like, that kind of stuff is yeah. always sad to me and I think pressing to realize, like, oh, yeah, you know, these guys have some say, but they don't have a ton of say and their lives are still uprooted. Nikhil's a young guy, obviously, but, like, you know, you never know how it's impacting people in their real lives. I was kind of bummed about CJ, but it seems I read his really good Players' Tribune piece, which is extremely funny and touching. And I think it seems like he knew that deal was going to happen and he was he right. was like behind it. I think actually New Orleans, which is kind of, we've talked about them before being kind of, if not a cursed team, then a little bit of a weird team. Mm-hmm. They maybe stand to be you know, a little bit more peppy now, <laughs> but otherwise now, not a ton of like, a lot of people got traded and a lot of people moved around, yeah. but I, uh, I think that that was probably it for me. Those were my takeaways. Yeah, I think for me, the one that really stands out is like, it might be the most cursed trade I've ever seen is the Porzingis for Dinwiddie and Bertons trade. <laughs> like, just from all angles, it's fucking depressing. Like the Wizards, they, you know, paid so much money for Davis Bertans and now he's like the worst player in the NBA. Spencer Dinwiddie didn't fit there. And so their answer to the problems in Washington is, oh, let's go get Chris Tapp's Porzingis, the guy who's notably an asshole and is bad and is also unhealthy all the time. This will certainly keep Bradley Beal around. And I actually think it seems like maybe it will keep Bradley Beal around, which makes me sad for Bradley Beal that that's like all it takes for him to be like, all right, I'll stay. <laughs> and then on the the other side of things, you've got the Mavericks just kind of spinning their wheels. It is kind of fun that their uh, Porzingis deal ended up backfiring on them. I think that's cool and good, but it's just like a it's a cursed trade. Like there's no no one's happy with the end result. And, you know, I, I, in a way, that's kind of like my favorite brand of trade <laughs> because I don't really care if the Wizards or Mavericks people are happy necessarily, especially not the Mavericks. I mean, Mark Cuban can be sad all he wants with his uh, underperforming team and Luca maybe working his way out in four years. But uh, that one stood out to me as a particularly cursed deal. Do you have any thoughts on that one? Or uh, was that just sort of like, a, all right, yeah, shrug your shoulders. Porzingis doesn't actually really matter in the grand scheme. Uh, bad dude bad player who gives a shit uh i mean it's it was it's cursed it's cursed like anything happening uh to i guess like <laughs> porzingis, in, in the porzingis than, orbit yeah <laughs> uh-huh um it's not surprising that that it, he didn't work out in dallas um there's there was literally no foresight in that trade it was just this idea of like oh this shiny new guy um which mark cuban likes as much as palinka likes um <laughs> i feel for i i feel for my friend ben johnson notable long-suffering wizards fan uh who says he's more of a fan because just by proximity less than like he really wants to but what choice does he have living in baltimore um we live in 2022 man you can be a fan of anyone you want you got league pass so. 
I guess so. Yeah, that's true. But I don't know. That's uh, that one was pretty cursed. I don't know what will happen. I think Porzingis is is not long for the league. No, the thing that actually really capped it all for me was a guy covering the uh, first Wizards practice with Porzingis was taking a video of him hitting a couple of corner threes unguarded. And it was like, look at this, a seven foot three guy hitting threes, baby. And I was like, oh, no, this is always how it starts with Chris Stapp's Porzingis talking yourself into him not sucking. Just, you know, it's kind of the beginning of the end, it seems, for uh, joy in Washington. Not, not that they've had much of that for the last little while anyway. Anyway, Katie, we've gone far too long on the news. We got to get to the good stuff. All-Star Weekend and our favorite moments from the past All-Star Weekends that we have observed. We'll get to that in just one second here. Before we do that, a reminder, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash basketball with two H's. Go over there, throw us a couple shekels, four bucks US, 550 Canadian. It supports us. It helps us do the show and keep it rolling. It also helps to, uh, you know, it actually gets you into our Discord chat. It helps you out. You get free bonus episodes, mailbags, movie watching, other things that we do as far as bonus content goes. And of course, you get into our Discord chat. You get first right of uh, asking mailbag questions when we do those podcasts too. So please go and support us at patreon.com slash basketball. Once again, just two H's in that URL. All right, Katie, let's get to it. Our favorite things from All Stars Past coming up in just one second. Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
And we continue on uh, basketball here, Sean, with Katie diving into our favorite all-star moments from the past. Katie, it's coming up this weekend, uh, you know, in Cleveland. It's going to be a blast, I'm sure. Lots of people headed down. You're not going to Cleveland for this, right? You're. You, I know you love you, the last time you attended all-star. You had like the time of your life in Chicago. Uh, I, I'm guessing the, uh, you know, continuing pandemic and the horrors surrounding it is probably keeping you away from uh, Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, I won't lie. I I tried, but I'll let you in on a little secret. Well, when my credentials, um, the credentials situation is pretty like difficult this season. I think they're right. trying to limit media. Uh, and two, there are no direct flights from Toronto to Cleveland for for like what? There and if they are there, um, you have layovers of three to six hours or more in like Denver. Miami. The For cheapest flight I found. Two-hour flight was yeah was Toronto to Miami with an overnight in Miami. The next morning you would fly to Cleveland, and honestly, uh-huh. for a second, a part of me was like, I wouldn't mind that because I would just sit in the sun for four hours. But you didn't even get into Miami till nine p.m. at night, and then you left the next morning at like seven. So you're not really doing a damn thing in Miami. Also, like. Do I really want to be in Florida right now? Debatable. But no, uh, I'm not going to All-Star. I am starting to get All-Star like invites and party invitations. And I got one this morning for a party uh, for like something with PlayStation and Fat Joe (laughs) and DJ Jazzy Jeff (laughs) are going to be at the event. And they were like, we'd love to host you. And I was like, you God damn it. I would actually love to go see Fat Joe in Cleveland. (laughs) But no, I'm not going. I'm a little like I'm torn, but I'm not going. Wonder if they bring Ashanti in to just do a what's love uh, performance. One uh, could just, hope. Just a one off. Actually, I hope not. I don't yeah. want that. <laughs> Ashanti does the overnight flight, stays in Miami one night, flies into Cleveland the next day just to mm-hmm. perform a single song uh, on the hook and then uh, leaves. That would be great. By the way, Katie, you'll be coming to my wedding this summer. Uh, what's love will be on the playlist. Don't worry. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> so. Katie, All-Stars past. You know, we've kind of belabored this year's All-Star quite a bit. It feels you mentioned this to me and I think you're totally on the nose. It feels like we've been talking about All-Stars for basically as long as the season has been running, and I like you, I think I'm a little burnt out on this year's version of the game. I don't find the dunk contest lineup to be terribly inspiring and that usually is kind of what drives my interest and I just like Jalen Green's fun after that I don't know it's kind of a a, a sad collection of dudes and it's not to say that they're not awesome I just wish there were more star players in the dunk contest that's kind of a a wish for me uh every year and then you got all the other stuff the game and everything should be cool uh you know I think honestly we might have had our best all-star moment yet with the draft that took place between uh KD and LeBron like I, I have a hard time thinking anything is going to top KD trying to keep it together as he's talking about why Rudy Gobert is the choice for his team over James Harden uh, as LeBron covers his face with a clipboard and Charles Barkley talks about how James Harden was clearly faking his injury. It was wonderful stuff size. last Yo, week. Yeah, I need some size and um, <laughs> interior. Yeah. yeah, especially with Giannis and LeBron James Without playing question. such great basketball this year. I need somebody to offset that. So I I'll agree. Go with uh, Rudy Gobert. I agree. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so instead of you know previewing this week's uh, All Star festivities, we're just going to take a look back in the Wayback Machine and dig into some of our favorite 
all-star moments of the past. Katie, I, I guess for to begin this, we've talked about all-star plenty, you know, in our in our time. I'm not sure how much of it has been put to tape on the podcast. Like, do you have a favorite element of all-star? Do you have a favorite event? Do you have a sort of are you even an all-star? I know you're an all-star accolade, but like how important is all-star to you? Do you block out the weekend to watch the game and the Saturday night? Or is it more of a, oh, it's on, but I'm probably going to take this opportunity to not talk about basketball or think about basketball uh, in a season where that's all I ever do. Uh, what's your overall read on the All-Star Weekend in general? I like it. Um, like it usually falls over Valentine's Day weekend and mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the entirety of our relationship, Dylan and I have had a Valentine's around All-Star, which is that's nice. nice, except when I was in Chicago. I like it. I don't take it seriously. It's it is like it's a carnival within a season. You know, it's not like people really seem to be getting bent out of shape this year about it, which, you know, I don't really like. I feel like it kind of takes away from what else are supposed to be, which is pretty goofy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing that makes me mad about this year's is Chris Middleton being on the team. Uh- <laughs> He's become a whipping boy and it's kind of unfair to him, but also uh, like, come on. I think it's so silly to get mad of like who's chosen or who's not chosen and uh, like as if it, you know, it is. But the thing is, like, I recognize it is important for the players because I think it's a marker. Well, they are they are bonuses tied to appearances, but also I think it can be a personal career marker for a lot of them. Yeah. Um, So I respect that, but I do not. Like, but that's kind of it from a player perspective. Otherwise, it's like you can't really get mad at like who or who did not make it. You can't. Yeah. I mean, I've been on my Pascal Siakam propaganda, uh, you know, train for a little while because like he's undeniably been like one of the five best players in the East all season long. And it's really weird that he's not there. But I think. If you view the All-Star game as not being a display of the 24 best players in the NBA, but is instead a showcase of 24 very, very good players among the top 35 or so in the NBA who, you know, hit a certain, you know, threshold of caveats when it comes to winning and number of players represented per team, etc., then I think it's fine. And as long as you're not using All-Stars to evaluate who the best players are, which I think most smarter basketball observers don't and all NBA kind of is more of the the barometer there, then uh, I think it's fine. Uh, And, you know, I hope Pascal Siakam enjoys his vacation, although he might be a replacement for Zach Levine if Zach Levine continues to have this knee thing go on. Either way, Katie, let's go uh, back in time and some of our favorite all-star moments. As far as let's go to, we'll, we'll talk about the dunk contest in a little bit. I think that's kind of the piece de resistance here. But do you have any like favorite moments from the other events. Like I, I know the skills challenge is kind of a, a much laughed at concept. And, I, you know, I'm excited for the new format this year with the teams of three that we kind of talked about a couple of weeks ago. But um, do you have like a, a moment from the skills challenge that stands out to you? I have one in particular that I think really is kind of like the peak of the event. But uh, is there anything that stands out for you? No, because they all kind of blur together in a really nice way. This is also right. like what I feel like all all stars kind of do for me. Mm-hmm. Like the best feeling is like when you when all star kind of starts is that it feels like a continuation of the previous season's all star. You know, like the all stars are existing in their own small universe, which we are transported to where all star never stops. So the Taco Bell skills challenge <laughs> is like that to me. <laughs> um 
No, what's your moment? I'm actually trying to think of one and I cannot. <laughs> uh, so it's from the one that was in Toronto, actually. Uh, okay. By the way, that that all-star, I mean, that, that's obviously going to hold a special place in my heart for a long time. I had a pretty cool gig that weekend. I was working at like the Fan Fest at uh, Rico Coliseum, I think, or no, Entercare Center, whatever it is down at the X there, uh, where they had like the fan events going on. I remember watching James Harden try to defend a bunch of children uh, as they like dribbled by him. Uh, <laughs> it was just like a perfect encapsulation of James Harden's defense at the time. That was a fun one. I remember I got to interview like George Gervin and Glenn Rice and a few other really cool players who were kind of kicking around there doing fan events because I was, you know, producing radio shows from there the entire weekend. Uh, the, the minus 5,000 degree weekend that was. But my favorite moment, well, I mean, the whole night that night was amazing between the dunk contest with, uh, you know, the, the Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine duo, uh, du- duel. Uh, and I think Clay or Steph won that uh, three-point contest. We'll get to the three-point contest in a sec. But the bracketed big man versus smalls skills challenge that year was the first time they did that and included bigs and carl anthony towns beat isaiah thomas on the final possession and all the bigs went crazy as though they had just won a championship for towns that to me was like yeah get the bigs involved in this shit as much as you can uh and they have since then to their credit i I just i really really loved that particular moment you know that was a fun night where the wolves were kind of secretly the stars of the show between levine and towns and wiggins was on the sideline you know in his hometown and i just thought it was a really fun moment for a young team that uh you know didn't have much good on the way but it was kind of a up-and-coming moment for a team like that and towns doing that in the skills challenge and winning it on the final shot over it who i kind of unreasonably loathed because he was on the Celtics. I, I thought that was uh, fantastic. Did you do you recall that one at all? Does that is that another one of those sort of uh, mishmash ones that kind of blend together? Or uh, I mean, we could kind of dig into the Toronto All-Star in depth if you want here, because that was a really fun weekend. Uh, I, I can't recall. Like, were, were you involved in any of the coverage or anything like that? Or was that, um, you know, a little kind of before you uh, became the the, wor- the world's foremost basketball writer as you are today? No, I was out for dinner and I remember walking right. one block and everything freezing on my face. Like, cause that was the, <laughs> that was like the coldest February. Like, that was like the coldest day since what, like 1920? Like or 1950. Something. Yeah. Something and everyone like that. who was in town was like, well, this is just Toronto all the time, which was kind of brutal because it was like, man, a lot of people are never going to come back here. Seven days later, it was 12 degrees and I was walking in downtown Toronto with a sweater and nothing else. It was crazy. The thing about that All-Star, actually, unfortunately, that overshadows everything is why Sting played. I have no idea. This is something I actually (laughs) want to try and do an oral history of and like get to the bottom of who booked Sting. It makes no sense. Like it makes absolutely zero sense to the point where I think Uh they had someone else booked and they fell out and Sting was like, around either like on tour close by or you know knew someone and someone like called him in on a favor it just makes no sense to me and uh Mm -hmm. it overshadows it overshadows that whole weekend however the toronto dunk contest i think was like the last really exceptional dunk contest yeah i mean there was there was a subsequent aaron gordon and zach levine battle am i correct but it just it never quite lived up to that same standard yeah it was the stuff on the hoverboard yeah 
yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was that. You were just never going to match the quality of the first one. And I think, honestly, I'm bummed out that they tried to do a rematch. I think Aaron Gordon lost that one, too. Probably uh, that was when Dwayne Wade uh, put the wrong score up. And uh, then Aaron Gordon wrote a diss track about Dwayne Wade afterwards. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. I think that might have been the very first thing we talked about in an episode of Basketball, now that I think back. But yeah, the... Toronto one was amazing, and it, yeah, they never pro- they probably should ever have done a sequel to Gordon Levine because it was just so perfect in its own moment. Um, for me, if I'm thinking like favorite dunk contest moments, I was a real dunk contest head in kind of the dark days of it in like the mid 2000s, like after the Vince one, when everything felt like it paled in comparison to that Vince dunk contest. Not just because of Vince, but because. That dunk contest featured like legitimate stars across the board. It was Vince, Tracy McGrady, Jerry Stackhouse, and Steve Francis, if I recall. And there might have been a couple other guys too with a bigger field. But it was like, oh, star players doing kick-ass dunks. And even the guys who came second, third, and fourth were doing incredible stuff. They just weren't Vince. But that sort of soft period of the dunk contest kind of is uh, holds a special place for me, Katie. Um, you know, in there you had like the Amari Stoudemire one with Steve Nash throwing him soccer passes. And that was cool. But uh, two dunks for some reason stand out to me as forgotten great dunks in history. And one of the dunkers in these, it gives me no pleasure to give this guy a shout. But do you remember when Dwight Howard was in the dunk contest and this was before he did the stupid Superman thing. I think it was in the same dunk contest, but it was early on in it. It might've been his first dunk. He put a sticker of his face on his hand and he dunked Mm -hmm. and put the sticker on the backboard, like right near the top of the backboard. And I found that to be so impressive. And I think because Dwight Howard is Dwight Howard, it kind of got lost to history a little bit. That one really stood out to me. And the other one, it might have been from the same year. It was in the same era. was Gerald Green blowing out the candle on the cupcake on the back of the rim when he dunked. Like, also kind of forgotten. Also fucking insane that he was able to pull it off. Those two, for some reason, stick in my mind as like two of the most memorable dunk contest dunks I can think of. Am I crazy for having those? Like, are they just like innocuous, not interesting dunks to you? Or are they to you also lost to history as uh, great dunks that people don't talk about enough? I mean, I like the like I like the corniness of the dunk contest. I like props. I think it's interesting when people are like purists when the contest itself it's not really for it's totally that. devoid of any context that you would see in an actual basketball game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the Gerald Green birthday candle dunk that's like that was on my list of you know kind of all time dunks. I even like. I even like Dwight Howard coming out of the phone booth in the Superman cape. <laughs> I like when JaVale did the two like double like hoop dunk. Yeah, that, that one's crazy. Like, yeah. That's a great dunk. Serge Ibaka and the teddy bear is a great dunk. <laughs> um, I like the I like the Wright brothers smashing the plane dunk. John Collins. John Collins, what a king. <laughs> Honestly, that yeah, like that one stuff. I liked I liked um Gerald Green's like lesser dunk from the same from the next years, I think. Uh from two thousand eight when he like just brought a ladder out. Right. Just to show and had someone sit on it just so he could show how I went, which honestly I think is is a good visual because when the dunks happen, and like now that I've been even to a dunk contest in person, which was incredible, it's still so fast that you don't necessarily have a good sense of like how impressive, you know, these things are. 
Mm-hmm. I think like in the in Chicago's dunk contest, um, like jumping over Taco Fall obviously kind of yeah. works the same way as a ladder does. <laughs> and it just it really did like show how incredible uh, like these like dunks can be. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man, I, I like I'm all for I, the only thing I have not I did not like. And I still stand by this, even though I guess maybe it's like uh, I'm being hypocritical. But it's like Blake Griffin's Kia dunk because yeah, it's bullshit. It, yeah, it, it's like, SpawnCon. <laughs> obviously, I mean, you got the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. You've got the Matt Green Mountain Dew basketballs. Like I, sponsorship is certainly there, but you can't mm-hmm. like win. Like you shouldn't be, win on on a sponsored dunk. No, know? especially because that year's dunk contest was the one with JaVale and Serge and DeMar DeRozan. And I think you could argue that all three of those guys were better across the board than Blake Griffin's dunks were. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I even like, I love stuff on a hoverboard spinning. People hated yeah. that. People hated the drone oh, that's stuff. that's dumb. I it's did, amazing. I thought that it's was incredible. hilarious. Yeah, yeah it's so... Uh-huh. It's so good. People are like, stop jumping over people. I'm like, yeah, bring out another person to jump over. I love it when they do that. Yeah. The most stressful thing to me at the dunk contest is when they uh, bring in a teammate or a friend or a celebrity or whoever to bounce a ball for them or like toss it off the backboard. (laughs) I hate it's so much pressure. And usually those dunks fail because that person doesn't necessarily, you know, they don't know. They don't know when to throw it. They're not in the same rhythm. But like that stresses. That's maybe the only thing that stresses me out in a dunk contest. Um, And the other thing I'll say, though, this... This actually, no, this didn't happen for a couple of years, but I like this happened in Chicago and it made me so happy is like the slumber party vibe of the players that are watching the dunk contest because they get to just like sit along courtside in their casual clothes. They're kind of sprawled out all over each other. This was like most prominent to me in Vince Carter's dunk contest because um, right, guys yeah. were like laying on the floor, like on their stomachs on the floor with their like chins propped up in their hands. So it yeah, really yeah. did feel like a slumber party, like let's tell secrets vibe. Like they're getting drawn like they're one of Jack, uh, Jack's French girls. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all where I was going. No, no. I no. Just, uh, the, the, the it's image like let's, folks, that's... <laughs> let's tell secrets kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> slumber party. Yeah. And I, le- I like that the most. I like watching the reactions of players to dunks because I also think if we're talking about gauging how difficult, you know, that's also a really good barometer of how to do that is the reaction in other players because these are guys who are like, that's also their job. So if they're like, that's crazy, you know it's crazy. Yeah, the one that really stands out for me on that one is, and this is my favorite dunk contest dunk of all time, it is Vince Carter's uh, arm in the rim dunk where uh, the reaction from the crowd is stunned silence. Like, they, oh, he just did a dunk. What, what was the deal with that one? That's disappointing. And then they realize what happened and you just hear like, fainting happening around the like the, <laughs> the, the the gym um you get like Shaq losing his like that was such a great reaction one with Shaq with his camcorder and stuff that's my all-time favorite dunk one more Gerald Green shout out to the the 2008 dunk contest where he dunked with just like a two-step lead up with socks on uh and did a through the legs dunk like with ease Gerald Green one of our most forgotten amazing dunk contest guys put him back in he's still kicking around right he's on the rockets probably he's always on the rockets these days throw him back in it's, uh, bring 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 him back for old times Katie 
I do want to talk to you about the three-point contest because I was trying to rack my brain for a memory from the three-point contest. And let me tell you, I couldn't find one because, and this is one of my hotter takes, I think the three-point contest fucking sucks and I would be happier if it didn't exist. I think it's terrible. I don't think it produces good moments. It doesn't have any sort of intrigue. It's just watching dudes shoot practice shots. And I think it is hands down the worst part of uh, All-Star Weekend, like worse than the skills challenge, worse than the rookie game, worse than the celebrity game. I can nap through the three-point contest and feel like I haven't missed anything that will matter a year from now or a week from now. Uh, Am I crazy for thinking the three-point contest stinks? I basically just think it's like, a drawn out version of the home run derby in baseball where you're just seeing the same thing over and over again and there's really nothing to distinguish between people it's just like oh cool he got 23 versus oh well great oh fucking cool this doesn't tell me anything i hate it katie three-point contest sucks um i mean i disagree it's certainly not my favorite event uh i but i think it is one of those events where you actually get to see play like this year, for example, seeing Fred Van Vliet in the three point contest is very interesting to me because it's not a guy who you normally peg as a three point shooter or like a three point star. Right. It's just like he's he's really popping off this season. Um, and I think it gives him an opportunity to like showcase that. Granted, I also think it is like a big it's like probably one of the more pressure like aside from the dunk contest it's probably one of the more like pressure low-key pressure-filled events at All-Star because usually <laughs> no one does well. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? The predominant outcome is everybody misses and, like, right. dings their shots up. When, like, yeah, you watch and shoot around yeah. or warm-ups and the, everyone is just sinking every single shot. But it's much different, um, even on, like, the kind of low-stakes stage of All-Star. So... No, I like it. I like the lurid green um, Mountain Dew ball when they get to it, how it's like, <laughs> oh, shit, the Mountain Dew ball. It's like it's just the same basketball. It's just really ugly green, but it means Kenny everything. Kenny Smith just like, this is the money ball. This is the money ball. Just like really playing it up. I love like the fake stakes, <laughs> like the fake high no yeah, stakes yeah. of it. I love it. It's very, um, I don't know. It's like stage acting to me and i i enjoy it so now i i uh i like it i don't think you should replace it or get rid of it well here's my proposal to fix it and it's actually inspired by some things we've seen in the olympics i'm sick of your proposals to fix things that are fine but okay yeah well you're gonna deal with one more katie and then i can retire (laughs) my proposals to fix things for a while uh the the thing with the three-point contest that bothers me is there are two nets on the floor, and yet they only use one of them. And so it's just guys shooting in order, and there's no drama to it, and it's just timed. Let me tell you a little sport. I'll tell you about a little sport called snowboard cross, Katie. This okay. is a sport where the qualifiers are intensely boring. It's one person goes down the hill trying to get a time, and then everybody else is trying to get the time to get their seating figured out. It's pretty skippable, not going to lie. But then you get to the actual meat of the competition, which is like a knockout tournament where they start with 32 riders and they go heats of four all the way down until two win from each heat, and then they get to a final four, a final. And the intrigue that you have, because there are other competitors on the field of play with you at the same time, is just way beyond what you're going to get when you're just timing the scores. And so, Katie, 
I think the three-point contest would be taken from a zero in my mind to at least a seven or an eight by simply having it be like a bracketed tournament where you are up against another person at the end of the floor and you're both racing to finish while also trying to hit as many shots as possible. I think that would be far preferable, way more entertaining to watch. We have split screen capabilities, Katie. Why not use them for the three point contest and actually create some like tension and intrigue as opposed to just watching guys shoot against a clock? That is my proposal. I think it's maybe the best one I've given you so far. The three point contest has been fixed. Use both nets. It's pretty easy. They're just right there. There's no you don't even have to do anything extra. Just have two guys on the floor at the same time shooting threes against one another and you'll actually have a pretty compelling event. What say you? Uh-uh. I mean, now you're just kind of turning into <laughs> an extension of the skills challenge, right? I think... Not really. There's no yeah. dribbling involved. No, but like... It's still, you're doing the same thing. You're just the pressure of an opponent. Pitting guys like at the same time against each other, I think. I don't know. It's mm. funny because I was just like, you know, there's no purity in All-Star, but like I can understand <laughs> a little bit being like, this is a specific distilled event for three-point shooting. You know, like this is this is it. You are just shooting against the clock. It is just watching someone shoot a ball from a spot over and over and over again. Kind of the like monotony and the rhythm of it. I enjoy it. Like I don't find it boring. I like it. You describing the format. I just I dozed off for a sec. Carry on. No, because for me, it's sometimes (laughs) like, why did you make the first one and then miss the next three and make the last one when everything looks identical? What you're doing, it actually makes me pay closer attention in that moment. So it's okay. Well, uh, there's another proposed change shot down by Katie. And that's fine. Uh, any last lingering thoughts here on All-Star before we move on to our segment we're trying out this week, Katie? We didn't really talk about the game itself. I find the game often doesn't produce that many big moments. I think, you know, Kyle Lowry taking charges is probably going to be my high watermark for All-Star that uh, in my lifetime. But I'm not sure it's ever going to be attainable again. Um, you know, what's your do you, do you have any thoughts on the game before we move on here? Yeah, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of telling and funny that we um, forgot to talk about the game because that's sort of what, like by the end of the weekend, you're like, oh yeah, the game. (laughs) Um, The game, uh, Kyle Lowry did actually make the game very interesting to watch to me. I will actually make a concession to you in that the rule change in Chicago did also make it more interesting. So that's one for Sean there. The lamenting um, baby! Yeah, Woo! like it, it did It did seem to raise stakes, but mostly what was more fun and interesting to me was how palpably frustrated um, like LeBron James and James Harden were getting a Kyle Lowry, <laughs> but also then that the game became competitive, uh, probably yeah. for the first time in its history, right? Like un- maybe the first couple were competitive, but largely it is just like a high scoring, slow running, no defense game. But like I get, I get it. But no, that's the one I'll be like, I'm kind of zoning out on. Right. And when I experience it in person, it is the end of a weekend where you have not slept at all. So you're also just yeah. zoning out in person. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, you know, there's been a lot of talk in Toronto since Kyle Lowry left of what the statue of him should look like outside the arena. 
uh, whenever it's built. I think a stealth contender is him giving Kawhi Leonard finger guns after drawing a charge on him the year after Kawhi left the team for LA uh, in the All-Star game. That shit ruled, and I feel like that's probably a good place to leave our All-Star conversation off. I'm sure there will be some fun, juicy morsels to dig into from this week's uh, this weekend's uh, activity on next week's podcast. But with that, Katie, we're going to move on to the segment we're trying out this week, and you have concocted a segment for me based on a reality show that has maybe the most uh, like ridiculous concept of all the reality shows with ridiculous concepts. That's coming up in just one second. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. We have reached the segment we're trying out this week and on this week's show. We are playing a little segment. Katie, have you named the segment? I have a name for the segment in mind, but if you have named it, I will not step on your toes. No, I mean, I put Love is Blind NBA edition, but I'm sure. What do you got? Okay. Oh, Kevin Love is Blind. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So pretty close. So, Katie, you've come up with the concept for this segment. It is based, spoiler alert, on the show Love is Blind, the Netflix program, which uh, just released the first part of its second season over the weekend. I have watched all four of the episodes that are available. I believe you have watched two of them. Uh, It's a truly insane concept for a show. Essentially, for those who are uh, not familiar, uh, a bunch of sad people are put into a women's side of a house and a men's side of a house. And in the middle, there is a corridor where there are doors to pods. You go into the pods and you talk to someone on the other side of the pod. You cannot see them. You can only hear them. And the idea is that 
this is a great way to establish love connections without having seen the person because you get to throw out all of the shallow appearance-based evaluation of a potential partner and instead you get to connect on a deeper level. Uh, Katie, the show I don't think really works, but uh, my favorite part is that they always call it an experiment, like earnestly. It's like, this is why I'm here for this experiment, you know? I've just had so much trouble, so this experiment really called to me. I love how seriously they take it. I can't stop watching this fucking show. It's so dumb and stupid. But, uh, Katie, we have a segment based on it because uh, it is uh, something that we've both had take up parts of our lives over the last week or so. Shall we take it away? Should you uh, go ahead and explain to the people out there and to me the concept of the segment? Yes, uh, let me explain. So I only watched two episodes um, of the sh- of the new season so far. Uh, as I to- as I told you, I was kind of watching it on one point five speed, almost skipping ahead where I could. It's the concept. I don't know why it is so compelling to me. I think I told you before we started recording. I don't watch a lot of reality TV, but with this one, it's like you can see that the elaborately set up train wrecks coming. Yeah. From very yeah. far away. So uh-huh. <laughs> I I imagine that's probably why. And I tried to structure my this game in a similar way, where retrospectively, you will see the train wrecks that were set up for you, but you could not avoid them, <laughs> potentially. So uh, in this game, Sean, you will play the part of a forlorn uh, looking for love, a.k.a. looking for um, a player you need on the buyout market. You will play a GM. So you, I have like set up uh, create, like settings where like I have the GM that you are for the team. Okay. 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 And Great. then I have. Do I know my- what GM I am? Yes, I will tell you the GM okay. you are. And then I have Great. a script of like the player who I know who they are. I will not tell okay. you who they are, but I have a, I have looked at what the teams need and I have considered the player available on the buyout market uh, and I will try mm-hmm. and pitch myself to you as the player, okay, mm-hmm. based on your needs. And I'm, I'm assuming asking asking questions based on things that I want ver- and also maybe some personal stuff to figure out if we're compatible. You might as, not uh, even need to ask any questions because as in the theme of the show very confessional mm-hmm. um yes but i will yes. if you have questions i will do my best to answer them truthfully outstanding let's dive into kevin love is blind katie uh this might be the best concept for a segment we've had in a while we should turn the keys over to you to come up with these segments more often apparently uh who who is my uh, which sad uh, pathetic GM by playing first who has decided love is blind is the way I need to go to fill up my roster with buyout guys. I mean, this might come off the rails pretty quick, so let's we'll see how we are by the end. But um, okay. you are if you're Raphael Stone, you are GM of the Houston Rockets. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Uh, and so I just start asking you questions about who you no, are and then we just go I'm going to tell no? you here. I'll start. I'll start. Okay. Um, okay. You're because you're shy. You're the shy GM in the room. <laughs> yeah, I've got <laughs> um, re- Tillman Fertitta is really uh, beating out my outgoing nature. Really, I gotta mm-hmm. say, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's been tough having a boss like that. Hi there. My game was built on speed, and you have a locker room full of young, fast players who could use some guidance in the right places. Huh. I mean, I do love that. Uh, you know, guidance is a really important part of my personality. I think it's really how I try to frame my life. Um, so fast guy. So, I mean, do you, 
if I if we were at a music festival, could I pick you up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in shape. But okay, I'm a bit clumsy. But people find this endearing about me. I mean, do you have you played for a lot of different like have you had a lot of relationships in your life? Have you kind of been around or have you been more of a sort of one relationship type person who is now sort of branching off for someone new? Um, I've had uh I've had actually just one serious relationship. Wow. And I'm a very loyal person. Huh. So would you say that you are, you know, are you in a relationship looking to get out of it right now or are you already out of it? Like, is it is something where you're currently totally without strings attached at the moment? Or is there maybe still part of you that's stuck with a past love? No, I'd say I uh, had a respectable, clean break. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a very baggagey type of person. Interesting. Would, I mean. Do you want to know some more facts about me? Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> okay. I think you know, this, is, this is what this experiment is about, right? Is getting to know people. So just give okay, me all so, of the, give me your life story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, by all accounts, um, I am a superstar, but I'm not a diva. I have been able to strike the right balance between those things. I'd say I'm pretty well respected, well liked in the league. You know, I can shoot, but I can also pick my shots. And I'd say right now, no one on your team is very good at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do have a lot of sort of erratic personalities in our group. Um, and I would like, you know, I just love people who are centered and grounded, you know. You know, I would say that you sound a little bit like our old friend Goran Dragic, but the, the leadership side of that maybe doesn't quite shine through. Like, is Goran Dragic like someone who you kind of would compare yourself to at all? Like, is that someone who you, um, you know, I'm not sure if you're even familiar with Goran Dragic, but, you know, is that someone who you'd kind of align yourself with as a personality or is that kind of a far off read of what you are? It's tough, right? You can't see we're, we're kind of, this is the first time we've been thrown into this experiment. It's tough to get a real gauge. So just, you know, as far as comparisons go, Goran Dragic, anything, you know, there to speak of? No, I'm much stronger. Much stronger. Okay. Um, how strong? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd say I'm. Uh, I have some. I have mental uh, fortitude, uh, mm-hmm. as probably well exemplified in the last four to five years of my career. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm also very physically strong as well. I'm a bit. Bigger than Goran Dragic. I do know who he is. You know, we're we're in the same league after all, but I wouldn't uh-huh. say we're friends. Right. I mean, so do you have a job right now? Are you unemployed? Because that, that's kind of a, a stickler for me is I, people who are employed, I find, don't tend to have the time to devote to my many needs. So I'm looking for someone who's unemployed at the moment. I, um, I'm unemployed. Yeah, I'm, I'm unemployed. I'm looking to make, uh, I'm looking to make an investment, I would say, full time in a job and in a team. I, I am, I am a person who wants to work. And I've made that clear. Yeah, I'm having a hard time. I, I mean, 
You don't have to guess who I am. You just have to say, yeah. do you do you want to do the reveal? Yeah, I think I, I I am really intrigued here. I think I've I've kind of gotten enough of a. So I, I on the other side, uh, person who I haven't got the name of yet, which maybe should have been a thing I should have asked off the top. I'm you can't see me, but I'm on one knee. Um, <laughs> will will you marry me? Will you join my basketball team? And uh, you know, if so, reveal yourself to me, please, because I think you're a person that I really want to you know uh, link up with here. Yes, and my name is John Wall, and I'm already on your roster. <laughs> That's amazing. I can't believe they put two people into the experiment who knew each other. That's incredible casting. A real sneaky move <laughs> there by the producers. Fantastic. Should, should I think I'm going to go talk to somebody else, though, or the, we should, maybe the, the camera's going to pan to a new pod now that we've uh, established But that. you've already proposed. Um, <laughs> I have. I have. Uh <laughs> Uh, maybe we should just cede the floor to a, a different uh, prospective partner then uh, who's looking for love. Sure. Okay. We're in scene. We're in another little pod now. <laughs> okay. Okay. You are Scott Perry. You are GM of the New York Dicks. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hi there. I'm a sixth man by trade, but in my heart, I'm a starter. Huh. That I mean, so that that works out well for us because our team is uh, loaded with players who uh, you know are really good off the bench, but then we put them in our starting lineup and they're not very good. So like, if we have someone who can actually move into the starting lineup and be good, that that would be amazing. Um, what's your sort of what's your backstory? Where are you from? Do you have you know uh, you know a, a sort of particularly interesting? arc to you know where where we've ended up here like what's your what's your story yeah i'm uh international um and i've gained a lot of experience i'd say in the last two seasons you know and i could be ready for a challenging uh environment strictly made up of a challenging owner gm coach and market that uh <laughs> a city and franchise like new york represents mm-hmm have you ever, you know, had any sort of acquaintance with a market of the level of New York? Because look, it's not everybody can hang with this type of vibe, right? Like it's it's not a, you know, an everyman's sort of situation. Are you do you think you're capable? Do you have experience with this sort of intense high level of scrutiny type of market? Yes, I've actually played for recently uh, for two like historic marquee teams. Oh, fantastic. So you you sound like we're going to vibe exceptionally well. And I kind of I kind of think I might know who you are. And that's really interesting that you've been able to reveal so much with so little. Um you sound a lot like a guy who I think would instantly be our best point guard. Uh I I think I'm ready to to meet you. I think I, yeah, I'm Okay, I don't even need any more. This this is our first conversation. We're one minute into this thing. I know this experiment is supposed to, you know, have us talk to all sorts of people, but I don't care. You sound like the most New York Knicks player I, I can possibly imagine. I'm on one knee. Reveal yourself to me, please. I can't wait to marry you. I'm Dennis Schroeder. Sign you. I knew it. I knew it. I knew. I just could tell from the other side. I could tell. I'm so happy. You're yes. A million times, yes. 
you're what we're gonna hitch our wagon to. Do you want a max contract? I know you didn't get one last year. I know you've had some heartbreaks in the past. I'm happy to hand out a diamond-studded max contract to you, Dennis. I, this is wonderful. Love at first sight. <laughs> I accept. <laughs> okay. Scene. We now go to uh, a, a room, a pretty gaudy, uh, bedaz- let's say it's even like bedazzled, and we have a very impatient, slick, kind of even shiny man in there waiting. You are Rob Palinka. You are GM of the Los Angeles <laughs> Lakers. Hi, I'm a big man, and you are Where's a franchise. Where's the voice that- coming from? <laughs> Is this, what's going on? Where's this voice coming from? Oh, is there someone on the other side? Oh, sorry to interrupt. Who's you, who are you? What? I didn't know you were going to go full uh, method on me, but okay. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good. Um, yes. Hi, I'm a big man. And you are a franchise that loves musical chairs in big men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you know this about me? This feels like love early. Like, you you know, you guys, I'm vibing hard right now. Yeah. Vibing hard. I'm very intuitive in general. I, you'd say I'm- That won't fit on our team really well. That's I mean, I'm pretty friendly. Honestly. Some people maybe think I'm a pushover. So I would say that might work quite well, actually, on your team. Mm-hmm. Um, you're weirdly very cheap. But love acquiring many bulky contracts. By contrast, my contract is under two point five million. Ugh, that that sound. Are you poor? Because I, we don't really do that here. We 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 project poorness in our own uh-huh. franchise. However, we're we're quite wealthy and have pretty high standards. So I'm hoping that you've earned a lot of money. In your career to this point, because two and a half million, like you're not really swinging in our range with that. I have to say, I have actually um, acquired quite a bit uh, in my time. I've also, you know, done West Coast, East Coast. I've done even like down south. I'm really an international style player. I think the kind of mm-hmm. player that you like to project. Um, that you like to have on your team. I'm also in the age range, a bit friendlier to, um, and like f- more favorable, I think, to one of the most important people in your life, LeBron James. Oh, we, yeah. I mean, we do need more geriatrics on our team. It's something we could definitely use. I, I find that we're lacking in veteran leadership. Really, that's the thing here. Um, let me, so t- tell me more about yourself. Do you have any siblings? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think so. But I, again, I'm very friendly and I seem to get along pretty well with most people. Um, and I do mm-hmm. want to point out that you are a franchise that seems to truly believe the grass is always greener and I'm a vegan. Oh, well, that's very intriguing. You're not someone who's already in our midst, right? Like, I don't already know you from work or anything like that? I don't think so. Okay. Interesting. Because I know we do have a vegan on the team. DeAndre Jordan is a is a prominent vegan. So that would actually work pretty well. You know, you're selling me. Even though you sound maybe poor, um, 
and like a little bit below our standards. I, I think, you know, your age, your, um, you know, the, the fact that you are a vegan, like that fits our culture really. I'm vibing hard again. I'm pretty, I'm vibing pretty well here. Um, I, you know, I kind of feel like maybe I should go in, in some of the pods here, but I don't know. Is there something you can sell me? Like, what's the one thing you can sell me on right now to get me to say yes and get on one knee right here, right now? Because I'm ready to do it. I, I'll I'll pull the trigger on all sorts of uh, irresponsible decisions, and this could be just another one of them. Yeah, I mean, look, you want someone who you can replace uh, again next season, maybe even in this season. You want someone Ooh. who you're going to promise big minutes to, but is just going to wind up probably playing I don't know, 10, maybe under 10 minutes a game, every other mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm. And I could do that for you. Can you shoot threes? Uh, Sure. But like, actually, like, because, you know, we really, really don't have a lot of three-point shooting in this locker room. I love hats. Well, if you've gone around <laughs> the question about three-point shooting, clearly you're not one. That fits our culture perfectly. <laughs> I think, yeah, let's... Fuck it. Let's do it. Let's pull the trigger. Let's do this thing. I'm going to jump the feet first into this like I did the Russell Westbrook trade and just live with the results. Uh, let's let's get married, shall we? Like, oh, I'm on one knee right now. Let's go. Can we can we get married? Sure. Ron Palinka, I'm because I'm sure you actually have not met me yet. I'm would love to reintroduce myself. I'm DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I had an inkling. I knew you sounded familiar. Uh, and I'm glad that you uh, want to be part of this. This are, You've been part of this team this year, have you not? I, this, yes, this I is, have. It is but nice to meet you. you. Yeah, know who right, I am. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. It's good. Yeah, you're very right. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad that I've made this. It's an easy one to make. And it's honestly an easy one to back out of if I really have to, too. So that's really all I want in my relationships these days is, you know, maneuverability. That's kind of the name of the game. So I'm really happy. I think this is going to work out exceptionally well, DeAndre. Uh <laughs> And scene. I will say, I will break uh, out of the game for a second, that the Lakers could actually save themselves some time and money and probably headaches if they did do something like this and, like, examined yeah. <laughs> players that are already on their roster. But, like, abstractly, I think it right. would be as, like, dazzling to them uh, as if they're, like, looking across the league and seeing who they can poach. Yeah, I, I for sure thought, by the way, that this was Robin Lopez until you said that you, you weren't sure if you had siblings. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get you with that one. Katie, is that the end of the game? That I feel like we've, uh, people no. get the point. Uh, <laughs> no, there's more. Okay, one more pod. Let's fire it up. Back on the yeah. show. Season one more two pod. or episode four. Okay. I mean, we can do, let's do some speed. We can do some speed. Speed dating. We'll do this one speed dating, Okay. <laughs> Okay, um, okay. All right. You are, I'd say, like a fairly competent GM. You've got a really good, hardworking, cohesive team on your hands. You're not desperate. You're not trying to bend over backwards to get this done. You are Mark Eversley, your GM of the Chicago Bulls. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, h- hi. H- how are you? <laughs> Look, I'm going to cut right to the chase. Uh, okay. I'm pretty pretty busy and I have a lot of outside interests. I don't really take 
um, the league and its kind of ins and outs and dramatics too seriously. I like to make that known. I famously have a hard time getting along with some of the crucial staff of every NBA team. Still, I have a great sense of humor. I'm able to strike the difficult balance of not being annoying with that humor. Uh, look, I already know the city and you could use some size. Oh, boy. It's quite a pitch. Could definitely use some size. I am, you know, it's a little bit troubling to know that you might be a bit of a a locker room nuisance. But, hey, we've got a good group here. I think we've built a pretty decent culture. I feel like we can absorb anybody and really kind of make them part of our system here. So, yeah, let's screw it. Let's, I mean, I don't even know if I have, do I have other questions for you? Like, do, do you... What do you think about mid-range jumpers? Because we take a lot of those. We need to have a pro mid-range jumper stance if this is actually going to work. Look, it's fine, but I, again, I'm I'm pretty busy. <laughs> you sound like Kyrie. Are you, are you Kyrie Irving on the other side of this? Or no? Like, you said you're a big, so uh, uh-uh. no. But I mean, Kyrie could think he's a big in some sort of conceptual. That's true. He could be perhaps. like, "What is yeah. the what is the concept of big versus small?" Yeah. Uh, what, anyway. Children are small. I'm enormous compared to children. Do you think the Earth is flat? No, I'm a man of science. No? Okay, that's good to know. Um, so people don't like you. Like you kind of sound. I mean, a little Dwight Howardish, <laughs> which like seems like a bit of a noxious thing to add into our team. But you know what? Screw it. Even if you're Dwight Howard, even if you're not, I think. We need some size so badly on this team right now that I'm willing to accept any sort of shortcomings. So, yeah, screw it. Let's get married. Well, who, who are you first, I guess, before we uh, make that decision? I don't even need to know, though, because the the experiment has worked. Everything that you've explained here is something that I can get on board with. Um, clear out my locker. I'm Robin Lopez. <laughs> Welcome to the team, Robin. Uh, we're very happy to have you. And, I, uh, and I, what I meant was... I hate mascots, but Benny, right. <laughs> it's kind of the only one I've ever gotten along with. Yeah. I mean, that feels like a pretty good, uh, a pretty good landing spot. Yeah. I think this is going to work out, Rob. And I think we're going to go to the vacation in Cancun and we're going to survive it while everyone else falls apart around us. There's no way Rob and DeAndre Jordan are going to last, right? Like not a fucking chance. <laughs> <laughs> but DeAndre's going to pack some great hats. He is. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll steal some of those. That'll be our little cute thing that we do together is we steal hats. That's our cute little thing. <laughs> and scene. Hey! <laughs> Katie, uh, I gotta say, Kevin Love is Blind was a blast to play from this end of the, uh, of the pod. Uh, I hope you had fun in your own side of the pods as well. Um <laughs> Yeah, if we ever did this again, I might get more character actors. I did have one more, but I think, like, I think you would have gotten it. And it also felt like, I don't mind. There's like some GMs I don't mind like playing this about, but like it was Masai and I feel like I don't want to even, you know, like. It's too cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's more Bobby. We could be Bobby Webster. Less, less cool. Uh, Yeah. Less less outwardly cool, I guess. But yeah, no, that, that, that was great, Katie. I had a blast playing and I hope everybody enjoyed Kevin Love is Blind. Uh, We move on to the thing we do to close out every episode of the show. It's our posters of the week, Katie, our best NBA social media posts from the last. Last seven days, and 
I am going to go with Mo Bamba as my selection for his response. Last night, there was a a tweet put out by Scott Agnes, who covers the Pacers for the Fieldhouse Files. uh, And he posted a video of a TikTok that Miles Turner did sharing what his average day looks like during the season, going through progressions of waking up, going to the gym, uh, you know, getting some shots up, going to the facility, et cetera, et cetera. And Mo Bamba, of all people, replied to the very first image you see, which is Miles Turner getting out of bed and says, the lotion and tissue right by the bed, nine crying emoji faces. And uh, Miles Turner quote tweets it. What? What? I'm supposed to hide it. Uh, So uh, Mo Bamba calling out Miles Turner's potential uh, masturbation station on Twitter. It's good shit, Katie. I'm having a good time with it. It's very fun. I don't know if Miles even knows that that's what Mo Bamba is implying here, which makes it even better. (laughs) I think he knew. He might, but he didn't really respond. Like he just—he seemed like, "What am I supposed to do? Like this is what's on my end table. What am I supposed to do? Put it away? That wasn't going to happen." But maybe he did get it. Either way, love Mo Bamba for that. Good times. Uh, <laughs> and we move on to your poster of the week, Katie. Um, I, yeah, I guess I already kind of mentioned it before, and I, it's kind of like, it's kind of like. Uh it's like half a post. No, I guess it's like post. It's like in the world of content. But I think CJ's CJ McCollum's Player Tribune story, but specifically the way he signs off. If you haven't read it yet, I think it's really worth your time. The whole thing. But he signs it off. Maybe we didn't reach our ultimate goal. That's basketball. That's life. But damn it, if we didn't try, Jennifer. <laughs> it's really good. That's fantastic. Uh wonderful stuff uh katie that's gonna bring us to the end of the show thank you as always for uh listening and being friends and pals and uh we we love you the most uh for being our listeners and if you're a patreon subscriber we love you even more than the most because you support us with your hard-earned cash which is much appreciated if you would like to do that you can go to patreon.com slash a basketball and you can jump on in and uh support our show there as well monetarily you get the bonus episodes each month you get all sorts of little perks our discord server and access to that and access to mailbag question asking etc thank you in advance for just supporting the show and thank you if you already have joined the patreon community we love you very much for that uh katie anything you'd like to promote before we get out of here today yeah uh, last week was extremely hectic for me so i will promote all the work that i did i interviewed jimmy butler um i interviewed um Oh, God. Now, of course, I'm blanking. Um, <laughs> I interviewed Sterling Brown. Okay. Jimmy Butler's on dime. Sterling Brown is on the Daily Beast. We talked about uh, his activism, his case against the Milwaukee Police Department and the city of Milwaukee for the awful, awful assault uh, that they inflicted on him, his role in the Wildcat strike. I thought it was super interesting. We kind of went inside the locker room and talked a little bit about the mentality of the players at that time and like in the bubble, continuing to play. Sterling Brown is wonderful. Um, So that's a longer feature on the Daily Beast. I also interviewed uh, Ricky Williams, former NFL player Ricky Williams, and we talked about his new cannabis brand, Heisman, which is wonderful, very funny, but also very smart um, brand. And he is trying to use cannabis to kind of like bridge some gaps, some very big gaps in the mental health of pro athletes. That is also on Dime. What else? I know there's more that I'm forgetting. Mm. That seems good for now. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, uh, did you talk to Ricky Williams about the CFL at all? Because uh, he played for the Toronto Argonauts. Yes, he did. Um, yeah. We did. It didn't make it into the story, but he, we did. Um, he's got like a he's got a soft spot spot I think for Toronto and and Canada at large because it was actually one of the only places that was it was interesting to me to find out that didn't actually vilify him for his marijuana use. That actually like yeah. Uh, that I think it was like the owner or the GM of the Argos at the time came out in support of him when one of the, like an ancient Argos, like former quarterback came out and basically called him like a crook and like a degenerate Oh God! because he smoked weed. And the <laughs> owner of the Argos at that time pointed out that the, for- the son of this former quarterback had been arrested many times for his own drug positions. And like, you know, don't, really call out other people you don't really know their circumstances also it's just weed so um yeah and he loved toronto because he did a lot of yoga here and the team let him teach yoga that was one of the reasons he came here (laughs) that rocks uh ricky williams maybe our coolest athlete of the last 20 years he's on the short list for sure go read that piece go read all of katie's stuff uh you can find me of course at Woodley Sean on Twitter, you can listen to Locked On Raptors every day. If you listen on Wednesday, our pal James Herbert from CBS Sports, who we should get on this podcast sometime soon, uh, and was wearing a King Cake Baby hoodie on the episode we did. We talked about the Eastern Conference race for the sixth seed. If you want to go check that out over at Locked On Raptors on YouTube or on your favorite podcast apps. Uh, as always, a big thank you to producer Greg for producing and making us sound wonderful on the ones and twos. With that, we'll leave you. Enjoy All-Star Weekend. We'll talk to you again next week with another episode of uh, Basketball? If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.